Would you join me this morning in Exodus chapter 3? Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to be reading from chapters 3 and 4. I'm going to encourage you to keep your Bibles open um, after I read the first 15 verses because we'll be reading other uh, verses along the way. As we talk about, for the next several weeks, the attributes of God. Uh, We'll look at just a few of them. There are so many. You may know theologians divide them into two parts, communicable and incommunicable. Uh, we don't use those words other than for diseases nowadays, so it sounds rather weird. Uh, but it simply means those, those attributes that God shares with us as part of his image in us, communicable, and those that God does not share with anyone that are true only of God in this universe. And we're going to be looking at a a few of each of those, Uh, but as we do, we are reminded that not only are the the attributes that God doesn't share uh, wholly set apart from us, but even those that he does share because of the broken image of God in us, they have been fractured and and we don't do them uh, perfectly, and certainly God is the model of of all of those. This morning we're going to start with one that is uh, an attribute that is true only of God, of nobody or nothing else in this universe. And it's, it's a, an attribute that actually is revealed to us uh, in kind of an interesting story, a story we're very familiar with, Moses and the burning bush, where we actually hear God giving us his name, and in that name we get a sense of of uh, who God is saying he is, one of his attributes. So I'm going to read the first 15 verses, but again, of chapter 3 of Exodus. But then again, if you would uh, just keep your Bibles open, if you would, we'll, we'll look at some of the other passages as we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? 
God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. We'll conclude our reading there, but let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father God, as we come to you and seek to learn more about you as we get this new year going, we pray that you would not only reveal yourself to us, but that we might take comfort and energy and enthusiasm into this new year knowing that we adventure with you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So at the beginning of a new year, a time like this is often an excuse or maybe a good reason or at least an opportunity to make a fresh start. So I'd like us to begin the new year with a reminder that the Christian life is an adventure. The Christian life is not first and foremost how much you go to church or how much you put in the collection plate or how moral you are. All good things, don't get me wrong, but that's not what it's about. The Christian life is at its root the adventure of living with God. The adventure of living with God. And during that adventure, it has ups and downs. It has things that we have to face, and this past year has been one of those things that we had to face. How do we face the stuff that's come our way? Whether it's a virus or whether it's uh, rioting in different areas and for different reasons, uh, social injustice or whatever. As we encounter those things, how do we encounter them as Christians? And that's part of what it means to adventure with the living God. That we go on an adventure with God and God leads us through those things and helps us to deal with them as Christians. So to adventure with God, we need to know something about Him. So for the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of the attributes the Bible reveals about God, and in particular, how God's attributes affect our adventure with Him. So we're going to start with a story of another adventurer, Moses. You know the story. He was set apart at birth and saved from death at the hand of Pharaoh. And then ironically, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter and trained in Pharaoh's palace. But along the way, he murdered an Egyptian man. And soon his picture was on every post office wall and his mugshot on the TV show Egypt's Most Wanted. So he fled to sheep country and waited for God to speak with a plan. Days turned into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, years into decades. And somewhere along the line, Moses resigned himself to be a sheep rancher. Then one day he's grazing his sheep on the far side of the desert and he sees an unusual sight. <clears throat> a bush is burning, but it's not consumed by the fire. And then from that bush, God speaks. And he says, among other things, Moses, go tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Now what do you think was Moses' reaction to that? I suspect 
that it was probably something like, ha, that's a good one, God. A real knee slapper. Yeah, me go to Pharaoh. Uh, uh, God, you're not laughing. You want me to do what? Where? Why? Who am I? And who are you? And here we get a glimpse at one of the first reluctant adventurers with God. Now, when I read this story, I'm reminded of Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. Now, I don't know how many of you know The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien's book, but it was actually kind of a precursor to the better-known Lord of the Rings series. Bilbo Baggins is a hobbit, and Gandalf comes to him, inviting him on an adventure. Gandalf says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I'm arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. To which Bilbo says, I should think so in these parts. We're a plain, quiet folk, and I have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. Sorry, I don't want any adventures. Thank you. Not today. Good morning. Well, like Bilbo Baggins, Moses also had an aversion to adventures, especially since he was 80 years old. He felt terribly inadequate, terrified really. After 40 years of waiting for God, now God calls him to do something he wasn't equipped for, something to be something he didn't want to be, and Moses was all equipped with excuses. I want to look at a few of those. First of all, in verses 11 and 12, he asked the question, Who am I? Who am I? Verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Why did you pick on me, God? He felt totally insecure about himself, totally inadequate to go before Pharaoh. Who am I? To which God basically says, and I'm reading between the lines, Yeah, you are a nobody, Moses. But I am. He says, I will be with you. That's part of the word, I am. I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it's I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. But that's not enough for him. And so the next question he asks is, where is my authority? Where is my authority? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? In other words, Moses is asking, by whose authority do I speak? When we speak in someone's name, we speak with their authority. God, I need your name so I can tell them by whose authority I speak. Because I don't have any authority, and and God replies, well, yeah, you're right. You have no personal authority. But I am. In fact, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, and and Lord is actually the word Yahweh, which is, we'll talk about in a moment, Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So Moses is looking for credentials. He says, do you have a business card? Oh, excuse me, I'm ahead of myself. God replies, yes, Moses, you have 
no personal authority. But I am. In fact, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Those are all parts of that name. It's actually the word in Hebrew, hayah, which is the verb to be. And so when God uses that word to be, he says, I am. But when we use the word in the third person, it comes out Yahweh, and that's where we get his name. God, God says, your authority, you have none, but I am. Then Moses, uh, then God goes on and, and tells Moses with kind of a, a rather exact plan what's going to happen. And Moses is still not satisfied with that, and by the time we get to chapter 4, Moses uh, asks another question, well, why should they believe me? Chapter 4, verse 1, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? So now Moses is looking for credentials. God, do you have a business card? Do you have something I can show them to prove that, that I was in your presence, that I speak for you? And, and God replies, well, as far as credentials, Moses, you have none. But I am. And then he gives him some calling cards. He's, Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took, the snake, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, Yahweh, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac and of Jacob has appeared to you. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So, God says, well, you don't have any credentials, Moses. I'm your credentials, but let me give you a few things that you can use to hopefully prove this to them. But Moses is still not satisfied. And in verse 10, he basically says, sorry, Lord, this is not my gift. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent either in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Sorry, God, it's not my spiritual gift. This is out of my, out of my area. I, I could never speak eloquently. Nor, by the way, have you changed that since we've been in conversation with each other. And God replies, hmm, that's true, Moses. But I am. And because of I am... God says, who gave the human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And then finally, Moses just gives up. And in verse 13, he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Please send someone else. When all the excuses are gone, it all came down to fear. Fear of rejection, 
Fear of sticking out like a sore thumb, fear of looking like a fool, maybe even fear of death at the hand of Pharaoh. And God replies, you know what? That's all true, Moses, that could happen. But I am. Now, do these excuses sound familiar to you? I know I've used every one of them at some time or another in my life. Some are imagined, some, but some are very real. Because in fact, like Moses, we are inadequate for the spiritual adventure called the Christian life. So I'm a little different than some of those people that start out the new year and say, you can do it! No, I'm saying you are inadequate to do it. But, as God says, I am. I am. Now, at times we, we use all those excuses. And for, right, for, for good reason, maybe. Because we're inadequate for the spiritual adventure called the Christian life. But you know what? So, was, so were the disciples. So was Abraham. So was Paul. So was Job. So was Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Christian life is full of situations, tasks, events for which we are inadequate. Perhaps we've faced our inadequacies this past year. Perhaps in this next year, this, God is going to call us to share the gospel with a neighbor or colleague. And we feel inadequate. Or to teach a Sunday school class or lead a Bible study. To comfort a grieving person. To be in the middle trying to reconcile a relationship. To have to confront an alcoholic or an abuser. To serve as an elder or deacon. To take care of aged parents. To speak out against some injustice. To to bear the pain of a wayward child. To give when financially tapped. And it's very easy to use all the excuses Moses did. But God says, yeah, you're absolutely right. You are inadequate. But I am. No doubt Moses was about ready to strangle that burning bush if he could. And perhaps sometimes we're ready to strangle God, even though that would be far more foolish than tackling a burning bush. I am, I am, I am. Is that all you can say, God? But that's all he needs to say to Moses and to us. God actually says, I am who I am. And he calls it his name, which as we say it in the third person would come out Yahweh. He calls it his name, and like most names in the Old Testament... His name reveals something about his character. It reveals something important to Moses and to us if we are to adventure with him. It reveals the attribute of God theologians call aseity. Aseity. Maybe you've never heard that word. A-S-E-I-T-Y. Aseity. It simply means the self-existence of God. The self-existence of God. And this is an important attribute that sets God apart from human beings. He experienced no birth. He will experience no death. He is eternal. He's not dependent on anyone or anything else outside of himself. He exists eternally 
by his own power. A human being is dependent for life and therefore is called mortal, but the supreme being is independent for life and thus is immortal. And it's a a faulty analogy like any analogy of God is, but like a power plant running on a generator rather than electricity continues to run even when there's a power outage, so God has the power of being, of life, within himself. In a sense, the unconsumed burning bush was a symbol of God's aseity. His unextinguished self-existence. He is a fire no one can put out. What difference does this make for Moses, for us? It reminds us that God gives us adequacy for our adventure of the Christian life. How'd you like to adventure with someone who has everything you need for any situation you'll deal with? That's God. And if you note it, all of Moses' excuses of inadequacy were answered by God's adequacy. Moses asked, Who am I? I have no power. God says, I am the source of power. Who am I? I have no authority. God says, I am the authority. There is none greater. Who am I? I have no credentials. God says, I am your credentials. Who am I? I can't speak eloquently. God says, I'm the maker. I am the maker of your mouth. Who am I? Moses says, send someone else. God says, let me let you in on a little secret, Moses. I am the one who's really going. I'm the one who's really doing all the dirty work. I'm just taking you along from, for the ride. I just choose to use you. And that's what he says to us too. We travel the adventure of the Christian life with God, a God who is the source of everything. He's the source of our power. He's the source of our authority, the source of our credentials, the source of our spiritual gifts. He's the one who comforts our fears because he says, I'm right there with you. He is the one who makes us adequate or makes up for our inadequacies. R.C. Sproul once wrote, In the history of philosophy and science, there are three great puzzles. The mysteries that have baffled the greatest minds. They are life, motion, and being. No one has unraveled, yet unraveled the mystery of life. The concept of motion remains elusive. The idea of being occupies both the philosopher and the scientist. And yet in Acts 17, verse 28, which we read at the start of the service, A clue to solving the mystery of all three concepts is found. It is in God that we live and move and have our being. In him we live. He is our power supply, the source of our very lives. In him we move. He sets us in motion. Without him we are lifeless. In him we have our being. It's because of God's self-existence that we can exist at all. We are Because he is. And so in this year, new year, we can adventure with our inadequacies, but don't use them as excuses because the leader of the adventure is greater than all our inadequacies.
and answers every excuse with his name, I am. And because he is, and he goes with us, we live, we move, we are, and we can enjoy the adventure of the Christian life. Would you join me in prayer?